everybody. Happy Saturday. Good morning. You know good who morning, I am. Good morning. I'm sports morning, mental health empowerment coach and couple marriage and family therapist, Dr. Lauren Pitts. It's my amazing co-host extraordinaire, Ronnie Ransom Jr. He's going to introduce our special guest. Hey, Ronnie, guess what? What's up? You remember what had happened last week? I had called you from the Cowboys Commanders game and you pretended like your phone was freezing up and didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's what he did to me, y'all. I, I said on the show, didn't I tell y'all? I said, I'm going to call you on live from the game. And that's what I, I did. And he kept going like this, y'all. So <laughs> I get I guess I guess if you don't have AT&T, Jerry Jones don't respect other phone lines. So, you know, what can I do? What can I do? Oh but, you know, gosh. y'all y'all won a game that you were supposed to win. So we're not going to get too hyped. We're not no, gonna... the phones act like they didn't want us to win. But let me tell you something. I had so much fun that even had we lost that game because because I was holding my breath because, you know what? One of the fans that was, we was a, you could see we was around a bunch of crazy people. One of the fans that was sitting near us said that he wasn't getting too happy because we're notorious for losing games we're supposed to win and winning games we're supposed to lose. So we were there. We were holding our breath for a minute. I ain't even going front. We were holding our breath, but I had so much daggone fun that it wouldn't have made a difference if we had lost or not. I still had Well, I told you I was so busy waving my white towel, I pulled a muscle in my back. I've had salon pops patches on my back since Sunday night. Because I was at that game acting a plum fool. I had so much fun. Well, we're glad you had so much fun. And, and, and speaking of that shoulder pain you're talking about, you know what? Today's topic is actually, you know what? We might have something for you today. So um, before before we get before we get started into it, today's topic, we're talking about athletes and cannabis. You know, for so long up until, you know, the last few years, you know, Cannabis has had this, you know, extremely negative stereotype and negative reputation amongst, you know, athletes, student athletes in the whole nine yards. You know, it's been, you know, called the career killer. It's been called, you know, selfishness. It's been called addiction. It's been called a whole bunch of things that a lot of the times just aren't true. And so we really wanted to dive into this topic today because we think it's really important that we have an open and honest conversation about you know, cannabis and how it impacts our student athletes and professional athletes, you know, for so long it's been given a a negative stereotype, but is it really something that's that negative? And, you know, so when when we were broaching this idea back during the summertime, you know, I was like, you know what, I got somebody perfect for this conversation. So our special guest this morning is my, I ain't gonna cry like T.O. did at his press conference, you know, but this is my quarterback, y'all. He's my quarterback at Virginia State University. He's Trojan alumni. My man, Mr. Taryn Ayers, he is the owner, operator, CEO, COO, board member, all the above for organic culture, uh, apparel, <clears throat> and also baked remedies. So, Taryn, good morning, man. Welcome on the show, man. I really appreciate it, man. It's homecoming weekend, man. You going to be on the yard later on? Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. Go Trojans. You know, it's VSU's homecomings, one of the best homecomings in the nation. Um, honestly, it's probably one of the best homecomings in the world. So if you're ever in the area, I wouldn't advise you to miss out on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I heard him out there this morning. They had the parade going down University Avenue, uh, Chesterfield Avenue this morning. So, yeah, now it's going to be a good day. It's beautiful outside. It's supposed to be in the low 60s, sunny, beautiful weather, great football weather. We got a hell of a game lined up for homecoming today. We're going to talk about that later on. I, as much as they say our rival is Virginia Union, I don't care what nobody says. 
my favorite game every time we played each year was against Bowie State. So we're going to talk about that a little later on. So before we get into the topic, y'all, um, Dr. Piss, you have a mental health tip of the week this week? I don't. You don't? All right, man. So let's jump right on into this conversation, man. So Tarian, man, so real quick before we get started, man, tell the people a little bit about yourself, man, where you're from, what you do and everything, and how you yourself got introduced into, you know, the world of cannabis and, you know, what you do today. Um, hi, y'all. How you doing again? Um, I'm Tarian Nez, a representative from Buckingham County, Virginia. Um, I'm a former athlete and student at Virginia State University, um, former teacher. Um, now I'm a, a cannabis enthusiast and as well as a apparel design creator right now. Um, what kind of got me into a little bit of the cannabis thing is, is, is being a rebel. Um, you know, I was I was the kid that when I came up, I kind of questioned everything that we shouldn't do. And then I also questioned everything that we should do, too. And sometimes, uh, you know, when I question those things, the wrongs end up being the right things to do morally, morally. But um, I got introduced to cannabis um, on a recreational level. Uh, when I was first introduced to it, of course, uh, as a teenager and things, you're, everybody's kind of playing around with the world, trying to find out what the world is and about for you. Um, and then, you know, my first experience with it, it wasn't it wasn't as a, a great of experience as most people would um, would claim the first experience was because it was something new to me. I had to see how my body was going to get adjusted to it. And then I also had to see how I was going to hide the way I looked from my grandmother now when I got in the house. Um, moving forward though, getting to, um, the actual real basis of cannabis, it wasn't until I got into college and actually playing college ball that I realized that I needed another alternative rather than, um, taking prescriptionized medicines for things that I was dealing with, especially pain, um, playing football. Like I said, it's a, it's a Mack truck on a Mack truck game, collisions every day, collisions, every play. And, you know, you don't really feel the the pain or the the effects of it until after the game. You know, after the game, that's when, you know, that's when the medical and the funds take over. Um, that's where doctors get paid after the game. Um, prescriptions get wrote after the game. Um, insurance get billed after the game. Um, but there's never really a, a, the athlete getting better after the game. He's only getting better over time, which is natural remedies of the body. Um what the prescriptionized drugs were doing, they just was alleviating some of the pain, but they was causing pains in other areas. Mm -hmm. So I reached out to a friend of mine. It was actually a young lady. She was actually vegan at the time. And she told me I needed to get more on a herbal institute rather than taking prescriptionized medicines. She didn't go fully deep into it because our conversation kind of got short at that time. Um, but that's when I started really indulging in cannabis and cannabis was actually taking the pain away from me rather than using prescriptionized drugs from the actual medical physicians. Right, man. Thank you, man, for sharing that. And, you know, it's crazy when you mentioned about how, you know, especially when you got in college, like, you know, we talk about this all the time on the show, like, you know, just not only the mental effects of the game, but, you know, obviously the physical effects and, you know, um, I've shared on, on this platform on, on numerous occasions, just some of my physical, you know, battles, you know, my, especially my last two seasons, Terry, and we were there, you know, like I tell people all the time, like before each game, you know, our team doctor had a needle shooting it up in my knee, either before the game or at halftime, just so I could get through the game and everything. And, you know, I was taking, you know, sometimes 10, 15, you know, ibuprofen a day just to, you know, get through practice, just to be able to walk to class, 
I mean, just so my knees wouldn't be swollen day to day. And, <clears throat> you know, so when I was in college, you know, one of the things I used to, you know, do to kind of like deal with that was obviously, you know, the, the uh, you know, pills and whatnot and, the, you know, the, the shots the doctor was giving us, but also, you know, alcohol. Alcohol was my substance of choice, you know, during my undergrad years. And when we were having our uh, production meeting earlier in this week, one of the things I had shared with uh, Dr. Pissentarian was like, you know, you know, looking at hindsight, you know, I myself have been a cannabis user for about the last four and a half years. And, you know, I, I swear by, you know, not only obviously the, the medicinal effects, but just the physical, you know, effects that it has on my body and how, you know, when I'm in pain, I don't reach for prescription drugs anymore. I don't reach for like ibuprofen or Tylenol or, you know, sometimes the more hardcore ones, especially the ones I used to get after surgery, like the hydrocodones, the oxycontins and stuff like that. I tell people all the time, the first time I had my Lord knee it. surgery. <laughs> Have you floating on the ceiling? But you <laughs> know what's crazy? Laying in the hospital bed. You know what's crazy though? My first ever knee surgery. I never forget it. My first ever knee surgery, they wrote me a prescription for um, hydrocodones. I think it was like, I want to say like, it was like a couple hundred milligrams. Like it was a pretty heavy dose and whatnot. And I kid you not, I had my surgery, like I think like eight o'clock at night, got out and the doctor was like, here, take these. This will help you sleep through the night. I was up for 36 hours straight. Like I wasn't in pain. I was, you know, I, yeah, I was chilling, just relaxed, but could not go to sleep at all. And I felt miserable. And when I had my second knee surgery, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to take no pain meds. That was an absolute mistake because <laughs> boy, when, that anesthesia, when that anesthesia wore off, oh my God. Mm. Might as well amputate this mug. Take just no. cut it off. I don't, I don't even need. Here, no, okay. And look, man, I cried so bad the first night because I was like, I'm not taking these pain pills because I'm not about to be up. But yo, like, I man, I don't wish that on nobody. But you know, one of the things I was definitely reflective on is you know I said that I don't think me personally, I don't think I would have had the you know a emotional maturity and also be the self-accountability mm -hmm. and responsibility to use uh, cannabis in my undergrad years. Um, you know, because for me at that stage in my life, you know, I wasn't emotionally mature enough to probably handle something like that. As you know, as good as it, uh, a feeling that it gives me, you know, from a recreational standpoint, you know, I also know back then, like, I wasn't mature enough just to handle day-to-day -day responsibilities. You know, I always tell people before I got my bachelor's degree, I had a PhD in procrastination, you know, so... <laughs> Like, so, you know, I, but now as an adult and, and, you know, when we talk about, you know, the effects of THC, you know, obviously a lot of the things that, you know, when growing up, people say, you know, don't do drugs, you know, weed or make you stupid. One of the most terrible concepts I always heard was, you know, marijuana was a gateway drug that if you start using marijuana, that's not going to be good enough for you. You're going to want to go to some booger sugar, some, you know, cocaine, some dope, whatever the case may be. But if you start with marijuana, somehow, some way, you're going to advance on to these other drugs. And as, you know, as I've become an adult and, you know, really becoming a clinician as well, you know, one of the things that, you know, I deal with clients on a day-to-day -day basis who, you know, use multiple substances. And so just doing my history and research on, you know, something as simple as marijuana, like it's been given such a negative uh, stereotype and negative rep for well over a hundred years now, you know, just looking back at the history of it, you know, when it was just, you know, used as hemp and stuff like that, it's always been given this bad rep. And even when we look at it from a sports perspective, like one of the, one of the, uh, most, uh, recognizable athletes in the last decade who, uh, you know, really suffered with, you know, uh, marijuana was Josh Gordon. 
And, um, you know, for those who don't maybe not know who Josh Gordon was, phenomenal athlete, played receiver for the Cleveland Browns. I think was drafted in 2011 and 2012. Well, basically, as a, his first three years in the league, was killing it. Arguably, you know, one of the top three receivers in the league. But he had a history of, you know, uh, drug suspensions related to marijuana. And, you know, when they used to interview him and talk to him, one of the first things he said was, you know, like, I have, you know, what we know now is complex PTSD. You know, I, I had a very rough upbringing, a very rough childhood. It was chaotic, violence, whole nine yards. And, you know, he said, I think, I want to say he said he started at like maybe 12 or 13. I, I could be wrong, but I want to say it was like early teenage years that he started self-medicating with marijuana because he was like, that was the only way I could get through the day. That was the only way I could, you know, manage the stress, the anxiety, the depression, the anger that I felt as a kid because my life around me was so chaotic. And, you know, at, from a clinician standpoint, I'm like, I feel you, I understand that. But however, you know, in real time, in the reality of it, it cost him his career. It cost him a, a chance to really, you know, you know, make a mark in the NFL. Yeah, he's been back and forth, you know, from teams the last decade and whatnot, but he's been suspended so much over the last decade because of something that he just couldn't let go. Marijuana was a detriment in that case. And unfortunately, that becomes like the poster child for representation when we talk to student athletes and professional athletes of why, why you shouldn't use it. And I think that's such an unfair reputation for something like this to have when we know that there are really legitimate medicinal benefits. So, you know, let Karen, me talk, let me speak to that, Ronnie. Hold, hold, on, hold on for a second. So I think and, and you both touched on it. I think that one of the mistakes that's being made as it relates to cannabis use among athletes is that, or at least my perspective, is that there's, it's being viewed as black or white, meaning there's, there's no gray area. It's, right. you have people that are saying, no, 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 it's good, it's good, it's good. And then you have another group of people that saying, no, 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 it's bad, it's bad, it's bad, it's a gateway drug. Mm -hmm. But I think what people are failing to recognize, at least from a clinical perspective, is that there is significant gray area. And the reason why there's significant gray area is because every single solitary individual is different. You cannot use a cookie cutter approach with cannabis no more than you can use a cookie cutter approach if you're prescribing Oxycontin or Oxycodone or Dilaudid or uh, Percocet or you know Oxycontin. You, you, you have to be very, very, very particular because the doctors are practicing as well. The doctors right. are creating cocktails, if you will, to try and determine what the best fit is for you in order to work. So your body weight is taken into consideration, your condition, your medical history is taken into, condition, into consideration. Do you have any other underlying conditions that are contributing factors to the overall well-being of your health. So we want people to understand, and, and I need our audience to hear this, what Ronnie is saying and what Tarion is saying, that's, that's their perspective, that's their experience. They're not speaking for everybody, right. nor are, are we as, as the collective for House Talk pregame. And for me, as, as Dr. Lauren Pitts, as my practice, each person has to take into consideration all factors considered, hence why there's a reason why you can get a medical marijuana card. So that still 
requiring you to seek medical counsel so that you are making a well-informed decision as to whether or not cannabis is the best treatment methodology for you. It is important that we emphasize that. You cannot just go with this thing all willy-nilly. You're growing cannabis in your backyard and, you know, and your grandmama, you know, behind the, behind the daggone moonshine still. Like, this is serious business, folks. This is serious business. And it's not as simple as, oh, it's a gateway drug or, oh, it's not. There are so many contributing factors that have to be taken into consideration before the determination is made as to whether or not cannabis is the right treatment approach for each individual. Clinically, one of the things that we have to take into consideration is, are you predisposed to drug addiction? Are you predisposed to substance abuse? Do, do you have a mental illness? We, and we've explained this term before. There's a term called co-occurring disorder. That means you're dealing with substance abuse and mental illness simultaneously. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Did you have mental illness first or did you have substance use and abuse issues first? So you can't just be like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm gonna get me some edibles, I'm gonna smoke me, so I'm gonna do whatever. No, 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 no. That is irresponsible. And it speaks to what both these men are saying that there's a level of maturity that has to be present before you just jump in and make the determination that cannabis is going to be the best possible treatment for you. It's like anything else. You have to seek wise counsel. Absolutely. May I um, speak and, and say something on the back end of that? Absolutely. Um, as far as seeking wise counsel, too, not only with cannabis, I think a lot of people get scared nowadays in seeking counsel with their actual physicians, um, being that some of the pharmaceutical processes that they get does not help. Um, I know people of color specifically that I've talked to and even people, you know, that's not of color. They spoke on the factors that, you know, when they go into the medical physician, they're going in there to be able to do more. And then they actually leave out there doing less because one, they don't understand exactly the prescriptions that they're being prescribed. Half of the people don't even know the actual names or actual pronunciation of those prescriptions. So if those same people are scared of the cannabis plant, why would they be willing to just accept something coming from someone that still scares them, even though that's a medical physician? But if the other study on the other end, if the doctor on the other end has a study or a field in cannabis and feels like that's a better relation to what's going on with that person, um, I think that the cannabis world and the medical physicians need to work hand in hand with bringing more information to the public instead of trying to separate the public on, you know, thoughts and feelings. Co-caregiver alliance. Yep. That Clinically, that's what we would refer to that as. That is a co-caregiver alliance that needs to be formed between the medical profession and the, the cannabis world to come up with a formula, if you will, that provides the safest, possible approaches to treatment for individuals that are, are entertaining the possibility of utilizing cannabis for their, their physical health needs. Absolutely. Definitely. Totally, totally agree. Definitely. And I think um, some people 
they get a little bit scared of using cannabis or they get uh, physicians may be scared of giving certain people a cannabis related medicine because they could have done other mental processes or checks on them and yeah. see that they don't hold the capacity to keep this at a medical level. Right. They could turn the medical usage into a recreational <clears throat> usage now. Right. They wouldn't even understand that process because the ability of what we're using cannabis for is not to make us feel better or to alleviate. It's actually meant to help us move forward in a more natural way mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. side effects. To take something that gives you energy or that can clear your mind without um, rupturing your liver. Because yeah, you, say usually it. if you take a prescription... I know my grandmother was on prescription. She was of the age of 65. Mm-hmm. They told us when I was 21, I was, I mean, I was strong as an ox at that point. You can't mix uh, Tylenol and aspirin together. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was mi- mixing 15 different medications together. One to equal off the side effect of the other one. And that's no way in shape or form of being healthy because you can't even drink enough water to counteract mm-hmm. that and clear mm-hmm. your body out so mm-hmm. some of the things she was going through at the time I was way younger to understand but I always mm-hmm. told her grandma I know you're not supposed to be taking all this medication right but she can afford that because of the insurance value she had had that mm-hmm. same insurance provider she had or that same medical provider that she went and saw actually seen her as a more of a person than as an insurance claim I mm-hmm. think she would have got a little bit more healthier. When she stopped taking her medication, she actually started doing more of the ages of 69 through 75 before she had passed. But she actually started doing more things of, of walking, um, doing more outdoor activities as opposed mm-hmm. to being so bedridden or sitting inside the house. Um, mm-hmm. Medication is not bad. I wouldn't say that at all, but I would say that there's other alternatives or practices out mm-hmm. here that hasn't been touched yet. Mm-hmm. That, that the people should actually do their own research on and then mm-hmm. bring their research to the front of their mm-hmm. medical physicians and ask them, hey, would this be a better alternative for me? Because the things that they say it, it can do for me, mm-hmm. that's, the, that's what I'm experiencing in my body. And those are the things I want to clear up. Let me, t- oh, Ronnie, can, can I just touch on one thing real quick? So th- to that point, Terry, thank you for bringing that up because it reminds me so a, a more recent situation. So as clinicians, one of the things that Ronnie and I have to do, there are times that we may have to write a report or submit our records if one of our clients is needs to apply for short-term disability because of their mental health issues, right? And in filling out those reports, one of the, th- and more recently I have two cases in particular, um, the insurance examiner, is, they kept kicking back. They kept kicking back my reports. And finally, when it all came down to it, point blank, plain, Dr. Pitts, what medication are you prescribing? I'm not prescribing any medication. Well, why not? Because Dr. Pitts doesn't believe that medication intervention should be the number one intervention. It's the last intervention. I'm not going to come out the gate and automatically recommend that a client go on medication because of exactly what you said. And I didn't know this until early in my career in working with children that were prescribed all these different mental health medications for ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder and conduct disorder and all of these things that these kids were having to go have blood work. And I said, well, what? What's that for? Liver damage. Because you have them on all of these daggone medications supposedly to treat ADHD and oppositional defiant disorder and all of these other challenges that they're having. 
and you're destroying their liver. Mm -hmm. And oh, by the way, then I've encountered adult clients who, you know, I'm saying you, we're, we're noticing because we, we do observations in session, right? You're noting and I'm like, something's off. Something's off here. What's going on? And I said to my client, what was the last time you had a med check? Because psychiatrists, were, well, hopefully I reached out to, to a sports psychiatrist in my network. I'm hoping we'll be able to get him on the show to have part of this conversation. Um, but psychiatrists manage meds. And I said, when was the last time you did a med check? Three years. Three years. Three years since there had been a med check. First of all, why are you not having a med check in three years. Second of all, why is the psychiatrist providing refills on a client that you haven't seen in three? Like, are you kidding me? But it goes to what you said, Taryn. You, and it's no disrespect to any of our colleagues because we know we have some legitimate colleagues to play by the rules out there. But we also have colleagues out there that are in bed with these pharmaceutical companies and I can't say definitively that there's kickbacks or anything like that. I'm just saying that the math doesn't add up. And it's to the detriment of the physical well-being of our clients. And what do we know to be true? There's a connection between mind and body. So if your physical well-being is being compromised, by default, it's going to erode your overall mental well-being. It's this vicious cycle and the pharmaceutical companies and some of these doctors that don't operate from a place of ethics and integrity or hosing our clients again. Go ahead, Rob. Sorry. I just wanted to get that in. Oh, no, no. Not, both of y'all made, made excellent points. And I think that's really important, which kind of leads to um, my next question. Terry, uh, what I want you to uh, share your perspective on real quick is, you know, at, as student athletes, we know that during the you know course of the season, you know, the NCAA at least one point during the season does random drug screenings. Um, and I don't know if I don't know if you remember um, back in 2014 um, when after I think the week we played Lenore Ryan after we had played Cal PA the first week we had our random drug screening and I and I never forget it because I remember Coach Scott told us that Monday he sent out the huddle message saying hey there's a random drug screening I think either Tuesday or Wednesday morning be on standby if you get the call <clears throat> and I'll never forget the group chat just lit up because I knew for a fact we had about 15. 15 players on the team and there's probably more but at least a good 15 stressed hurt nervous like they're like if I get my name called it's a wrap coach Scott like we're just gonna kill me at this point and fortunately everybody got drug tested passed hey you know I don't ask questions all I know is when we lined up against Lenore Ryan that Saturday everybody who's supposed to be there was supposed to be there but Share your perspective on how you feel, you know, at, you know, we just saw, I think Friday, you know, Biden saying, you know, um, trying to, you know, make steps to decriminalize marijuana and stuff like that. We know that student athletes use marijuana. We know that high school athletes use marijuana, but we know that if you, you know, have a drug screening and you're flagged for marijuana, you either suspended or you could possibly lose out on your scholarship and your career. So what are some things that maybe you would recommend to maybe student athletes or what are some things that you would like to see the NCAA change with how they regulate, you know, people who do get flagged for marijuana usage or, you know, should you be flagged for it and, you know, just be lose out of your career or, you know, at that point, should you be recommended to some form of counseling or therapy to really talk about what's going on at that point? Well, I think it should first start off by we need a stronger players union to represent the players to the NCAA. Um, very similar to how the NBA has their union of players who represent themselves 
on things, basis of contracts and things of that nature. So we should definitely start there. We should start in the school programs. Most schools know what type of students that they're allowing to their schools. Um, they might not know the full background, uh, but they do know a lot of representation of what's going on. As a student athlete, um, we have to hold ourselves accountable and actually um, be able to come out and speak with other representatives who's going to represent us and our well-being. Being able to go and fully have a conversation with your coach about things that's going on. I know sometimes it may not be that easy because as a man speaking to another man, you kind of get macho. Or as a woman speaking to another woman, you don't really want to tell all your feelings and thoughts of what's going on. But when it comes to like your mental health and that side, being able to open up about what's going on, it, it takes a lot of stress off because as an athlete, especially with me in college and I know a lot of my friends, insurance played a factor in a lot of the things that went forward. So when medicines or what we thought was supposed to help us wasn't affordable, we turned to another choice. And at times that choice ended up being better. Now, I wouldn't say go make that ill-advised choice um, when you have a career on the line as well, because there are other alternatives to take than just using marijuana. You can get extractions of marijuana that you can use for pain and pain relievers called topicals. Those same topicals wouldn't show up on the test because that's not going to be a part of your bloodstream. It's just going to be working on the muscles on the top part of your body. Now, with that being said, you can also go speak with your physician, your medical physician or your sports physician to let them know what's going on. Hey, I'm opposed to using um, opioids or prescriptionized drugs. Why? I'm scared of the effect of actually being hooked on it. Is there another alternative that I can use? Um, people say that marijuana is bad. You throw your career away. Well, imagine throwing your life away, you mm. know, getting hooked on a prescriptionized drug that you can't beat 20, 30 years later. Then you're just getting over it. You know, your life is done. That's just like doing a 20, 30 year jail sentence or something like that. So, I would also say sometimes make sure your life aligns with your career when you're making that decision, because sometimes that career might not be the best decision for you. It could be what's working for you right now. So I wouldn't say throw your career away over your life, but I do. I would say open up and speak with people, especially people that's close to you, um, not necessarily people that would like um, make make suggestions or, or 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 try to you know talk down on you for what you're talking to them about but you definitely have to be able to open up with someone who has a better information or insight on what's going on because everybody has been through your path before. Not everybody's the same, but um, marijuana has the effect or not even necessarily marijuana. That's the bad term. Cannabis has the effect on, on things for the body, especially as an athlete moving forward. That's just more than just pain. We deal with things that's mental. Um, what do we want to go up, wake up and go to practice? Uh, is this still what we really want to do when things are not going right? We have a long week of no sleep. Like we got to get back into the process of things. That's when the actual plant has benefits that can help us moving forward. That's better than just smoking it on a recreational level. Karen, your camera dropped, huh? You said, excuse your me, what? Oh, yeah, your Appreciate camera dropped. Oh, we can't see you. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you there good? You go. Yeah, no, and I, I think you made some really great points, Terry. And I think, you know, 
I think it's really unfair that, you know, that a lot of the times, a lot of times student athletes, you know, hide their uses. They hide that they're, you know, using substances like cannabis and stuff like that out of the fear of, you know, if, if my coach find out or if somebody on campus find out, you know, they might snitch and tell on somebody, you know, I might, you know, lose out on my career, lose out on my chance to play and stuff like that. When you make a great point, a lot of the times, you know, what do student what do we normally do as student athletes during the week or after games and stuff like that? We we get, you know, wasted, we get drunk, we, you know, do all these things, put all these other things in our body. If you're somebody like me who, you know, like I said, I was getting chewed up with lidocaine shots every single week. I couldn't sit here and tell you right now the first ingredient inside lidocaine. All I know it did, it numbed my knee up for three or four hours. I could go out there and feel like Superman. And then after three or four hours, I felt like, um, um, shoot, probably like Ronnie Coleman now, how he is after all uh, Mr. Olympias where he could barely walk. But I didn't ask no questions, you know, and I think it's unfair that, you know, sometimes athletes have to sit there and hide their usage or hide that they're, you know, struggling with things and they use this. You, you made a great point about how, you know, there's many other uses and, and usages of uh, cannabis and things like that, like the topicals and, and things like that. What I also wanted you to kind of touch on too was, you know, one of the main um, <clears throat> one of the main components of um, cannabis is CBD, and you know CBD is you know for those who are not sure, and, and Taryn can definitely give you know the more in depth perspective on it is you know all the medicinal effects without the <clears throat> psychoactive effects of delta nine THC, which is the psychoactive component inside the cannabis plant. So. Terry, kind of touch on a little bit about, you know, the benefits of CBD, you know, not only as a topical, but also other ways you can ingest it or consume it that can help student athletes and professional athletes manage their pain and other symptoms as well. Can I um, ask a question first? Can okay. you explain just, just for sake of clarity, the, the difference, the THC versus the CBD? CBD. What's the difference? What are what are what are their relationship? And then go into that, please. Take it away, sir. Okay. Um, the difference of THC and CBD is basically the receptors of the brain. Um, of course, as we know, um, because T, I'm excuse me, because CBD doesn't really have the psychoactive effects. In other words, um, it won't really cause you to get high. It has different medical properties that THC doesn't have. THC, on the other hand, does have psychoactive effects or ingredients in it. So therefore, the components in, that it produces is going to make people feel high when they try to associate THC with marijuana in that plant. CBD is another component of the plant, but it doesn't have the psychoactive ingredients to it. It only has medical properties and medical benefits. And, you know, one of the things that... Um... CBD is also treated for not only the physical effects, but a lot of the times for things like anxiety and stress and depression and stuff like that, because you get the medicinal effects of the, <clears throat> I can't um, speak to these specific receptors, but, you know, the, the specific components of CBD that attach to, you know, the serotonin and the dopamine levels in our brain and kind of help balance that out and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, as we know, you know, THC is always, you know, considered a hallucinogen and things like that. And a lot of times people don't want that high effect. One of the things I always tell my clients and I tell student athletes is, you know, as beneficial as, as cannabis can be, one of the, the, the catches to it is, is I always tell people it always exacerbates whatever you're feeling in that moment. So sometimes if you're not careful enough, if you are feeling stressed and depressed, it can sometimes counteract that and make you feel even more stressed or depressed if you're not careful. If you are feeling, you know, happy, elated, joyful and stuff like that, consequently, then, you know, you might feel more of that. But 
And to my point earlier about, you know, having the emotional maturity and knowing, you know, if this is right for you or something you should even, you know, explore is we know that um, physically our brains aren't fully matured until around the age of 25. And a lot of times when you introduce something like cannabis or any type of substance for that matter into, you know, your bloodstream, into your body, you know, before that age where your brain has had a chance to fully develop, can there be some long lasting consequences or effects to it? Absolutely. And I always tell people, and this is a conversation um, that I've had, you know, with Dr. Pitts and I think Terry and as well as like, you know, the, the, there's a fine line between recreation and codependence of, you know, any substance, you know, <clears throat> and I always tell people this is, and this is just my perspective and definition of, you know, the difference. I feel like when it's for recreational purposes, you know, you're seeking to maybe complement or, or maybe boost a, a feeling or a moment in that, in that, um, in that uh, space of time. For example, like if you are at a level of self-awareness and self-confidence and self-love, and you maybe use something like marijuana to maybe heighten that or even, you know, enjoy a specific moment, that's a recreational use. But to Terry's point, if you, if, you know, you're going through daily stressors, you know, life is just beating you down, or, you know, you're just a student athlete just trying to get through day to day. And the first thing you feel like is going to get you through is marijuana or, you know, cannabis or something like that. Then we have to ask ourselves, like, are you using this for recreational purposes or is it codependency? And even, you know, to, you know, delve even deeper with codependency, I even break it down even further. You know, is this a vice or is this truly an addiction? I think, you know, a lot of the times we throw the word addiction around a lot. And I think it's kind of unfair to, you know, sit there and say, you know, people who use it heavily or daily users are addicted. You know, there's a fine line between a vice. You know, oftentimes a vice is categorized as something that may be unethical or not maybe a, a moral thing that people use on a day-to-day -day basis to cope with life stressors. And then obviously addiction is, you know, you are going out of your way. You are sacrificing certain responsibilities and certain, you know, things that you should be accountable for just to use this substance or whatever the case may be. So um, I definitely wanted to highlight that point and, you know, kind of wanted to get your perspective on that as well, too. Well, as far as um, I would speak up and say, as far as using it goes, I think wordplay has an effect on how we look at things, too. Um, a lot of people who are advocating for the use of cannabis, they don't call it using of cannabis. They call it a practice because it's not just cannabis that they're practicing. They're actually practicing herbs. Um, and when you look into like the CBD effects of it, you start to get things that can that can range from like mood enhancers. Um, CBD has things like antioxidants in it. Um, it has anti-inflammatory processes in it, things of that nature as well. Um, it has relaxing and calming benefits. So those are some of the same factors that um, that prescriptionized medicine use. And I, and I see that all the time um, in the special education program. A lot of the parents that I've been talking to have now been changing over from giving their kid um, prescriptionized medicine to actually giving them CBD because it treats the same effects. And then the value or the way that you can actually indulge or induce CBD is a lot more different because you don't necessarily have to smoke. it. They come in supplements. Um, it comes in different creams and oils. They come in powders. You can get clothing or accessories that has CBD related in it. My mom has a CBD related uh, gloves that she used for arthritis. She also has CBD related socks that they use for arthritis. Um, they're making a lot of clothing out of actual CBD and hemp because of the value that hemp holds. Hemp, ha hemp you can make paper, um, yeah. 
build houses and different things of that nature out of hemp and, and you know, the cannabis plant. Um, that's why I would say the practice of actual um, herbs, I think they should look at it a little bit differently because it has the same benefits of practicing herbs than it does of just um, taking a medical approach or a actual recreational approach to just smoking it because it's more that you do with marijuana than just smoke it. Absolutely. I wanted to um, to expand, Ronnie, on what you said about the, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but the importance of awareness because I've actually had clients that use cannabis, whether it inform, whether smoking or edibles, um, that realize that the edibles in particular mm-hmm. made them more anxious and made them it it made I've encountered clients that it made paranoid. So mm-hmm. I think that it's really important for people to understand. And and what I advise my clients to do, I said when you go to the dispensary, you need to have a conversation with the individuals working at the dispensary and you need to convey to them what your issues are. Don't just go in and and just pick up a product and and pay for it and roll back out the door. You need to be having a well-informed discussion with the individuals working at the dispensary so that they can make help you to make a well-informed decision based upon what your needs are, what your medical history is, which is why I said, you know, agreeing with Terry and about the importance of medical doctors sort of having these informative and, and psychoeducational discussions with cannabis specialists so that people aren't sort of playing Russian roulette with their lives and their physical health just by go, oh yeah, those edibles look good. Let me get some brownies. Let me, let me get some gummies. No, you have to make decision much decisions much more responsibly than that so that you make sure you're not making matters worse. The second thing that I wanted to point out and expand upon a little bit is w- with regards to that word addiction, right? Mm-hmm. I think that it's important for people to understand that whether it's cannabis or any other type of prescribed drug or any other type of illegal substance, addiction, it, people's like, I'm not addicted. I can stop whenever I want to and stop. If you know, that's a red flag to us as clinicians. Anytime a client says to us that they can stop whenever they want to, that's a tell, right? Mm -hmm. When you, what we look at clinically where addiction is concerned is if your use and or abuse of whatever the substance is, is eroding, adversely impacting, compromising your daily functioning. If you cannot start the day, finish the day, navigate your day without smoking, without doing an edible, like if you if you are dependent upon this substance to be able to function. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical functioning. I'm talking about mental functioning, right? Right. You cannot, because the physical aspect is, is different because we're talking about your physical health. But mentally, if you cannot function without this substance or any substance in your system, and oh, by the way, your behavior is notably different and more adverse when you don't have that substance in your system, Houston, we have a problem. We have a problem. 
Because what that suggests to us is the dependency has been developed. Hey, Dr. Pitts, Tarion has to get ready to go real quick. So okay. Tarion, look, man, hey, we really appreciate you joining us today and, and yeah. sharing your knowledge and everything. Real quick, man, how can the people get in touch with you, get in contact with you? If they yeah. have any cannabis-related questions or just want to, you know, chop it up with you about uh, about life or uh, also inquire into your clothing line, tell the people real quick how they can get in contact with contact with you where they can find you all the good stuff okay um give a quick rundown on social media we are on social media our social media platforms for our clothing line is going to be in relation to organic culture apparel underscore va that will be instagram website will be vajungle.com also on the website it gives you a board on there to where you can contact us individually it has all my information up there from email to phone numbers Mm -hmm. as well as our art information um, or our cannabis-related information that's also related on Instagram. That's called Baked Remedies VA mm -hmm. with an underscore. Um, we have all our email information located up there in our bio as well. If there's any type of questions, concerns, uh, we can help you in any type of way, shape, or form. Don't feel, I mean, don't hesitate to reach out to us in any shape or way, and we'll respond to you as fast as we can. Also, I want to say thank you all for having me today. Um, I, I, I honestly want to say you've inspired me to to want to do what you all are doing right now. So after this, I was going to actually text Ronnie and see what would be the process to getting myself involved in the line of work that you all do, wow. um, because I was I was looking for what my calling may have been uh, may have been in life. And I tried teaching um, and I saw that I just wanted to be able to help people by informing them and giving them information and values of things that you may not find out here in the everyday world. Not everybody is going to research those values or want to go be that weird person to do those type of studies. And that's mm -hmm. who I am. And that's the type of information I want to be able to give back to my public. Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much for joining us, um, Terry. And as always, and, and we tell most this, you are welcome to join us at any time. We any know that time, there's going to be more discussion about this topic. Um, and folks, you, you know, support him support him, go to his website, check out his apparel line. Real quick, tell him about baby girl, because he's got, he, you talking about generational wealth right here. His baby girl ain't but a minute big and has her own clothing line already. We need to, we need to reach out and show some love and support. So tell him how to, to, to access that as well. Uh, we also do carry kids clothes. The kids clothing line is called Layla, excuse me, Layla and Company. I chose to give that down to her because I know 10 years from now, I won't be producing clothes that's for her generation. Mm -hmm. um, she may not even be a creator herself growing up, but she may um, enlighten those around her to want to be a creator. And then she'll be yeah. having a platform that she can give up and step up for those who want to be around her, a part of her company. So if you mm -hmm. want to get anything involved in clothing clothes, uh, clothes, you can also reach out to Organic Culture Apparel underscore VA. Um, we'll send you a link that's invited to our website. You can be sure to check out all of the Layla and Company clothing and apparel there. She will also be doing a new drop on the 18th of this month. That's her birthday. So we're going to have a special Layla and Company. Um, it's going to be a hoodie and a coat dropping on the 18th of this month for children. Nice, nice. Congratulations on that. Thank you so much, sir, for joining us. Um, Thank you, bro. I appreciate you, you. Yeah, go Trojans. Um, and 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 I would say please support any other team out here except for the Dallas Cowboys. If you are supporting the uh -huh, Dallas Cowboys uh -huh. right now, 
Uh -uh. Uh, I do think you might need some real mental health and talks. No, uh, and no, if you need help no. in that aspect, I got a lot of better teams that I can, you know, I take back everything to. that I said about supporting him, audience. Take take it all back. Take it all back. Take it all back. That's my quarterback. His loyalty is to Ronnie, right? Okay, see, I got you. I got That's you. My you know what? Man. I forgot to tell you that Dr. Pitts is, I pride myself on allowing people to live with their decisions. I got something for you. One second. Hold on one second. I got something. <laughs> <laughs> Eli, Eli, say hi to the people, man. Hey, Eli. man. Eli, say hi to the people, Eli. <laughs> you know what? Say hi to the people, Eli. <laughs> mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. Man, oh, man. Terry, well, hey, man, it was a blessing to have you on, Big Dog. I appreciate you, it as always, man. Once again, you are part of the House Talk family for life, man. Anytime you want to drop back on, man, you are more than welcome to join us, man. So, yeah. hey, look, if I see you on the yard later on, man, let's have a good time and everything. Appreciate you, Big Dog. And the next time, thank you all again. The next time I have this talk, I want to see if I can get my friend aboard so he can actually join the conversation with us. Um, me and him like to talk health and we like to actually include the black and white aspect into it. Yeah. Um, he's a white counterpart and uh, we go through the same things when we talk about what we're dealing with in the mental health crisis or, yeah. you know, and just in the cannabis community, it's not a black and white thing. It's literally what we are going through to try yeah. to get this brought forward to the nation as a whole, as a common. So yeah. I would like to have him on board next time if yeah, possible absolutely. and or her. Um, they have a lot of information they would like to relate to the public and give to you all. Absolutely. Definitely, man. We'll, you, have to, we'll have to arrange that, man. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right take care. Thank you all so much. Same to y'all. Right. Yes, sir. Bye -bye. Yes, sir. Man, that was a beautiful conversation. And we really appreciate him being on and everything. Indeed. Um, Indeed. So, Dr. Pitts, so uh, any any final words, thoughts on, on what we talked about today? I think that the bottom line is the, the, the emphasis has to be placed upon information. Um, you know, as cliche as it is, knowledge really is power. And in order for people to be able to make a well-informed decision as to whether or not cannabis is the right direction for them to go, um, people have to educate themselves. You cannot make decisions about your physical health or your mental health based on wrong or limited information. And um, yeah, I just want to put the, the emphasis on the importance of educating oneself so that you're able to make a well-informed decision um, because otherwise you could make uh, a horrible, horrible error that could compromise your mental health as well as your physical health. And we don't want that for anybody. You need to take the time um, to educate yourself, to empower yourself so that you're better positioned to make a well-informed decision. And oh, by the way, all of the answers that you need are not on social media. They're not on Google. You need to have a responsible, comprehensive discussion with a medical professional or with a cannabis professional and or both so that you can make the best possible choice for yourself. And that's all I have on that. If, if I could also summarize it up and thank you for sharing that. If I, if mm -hmm. I had to, uh, one thing I want people to understand is that, you know, I think, you know, a lot of substances get a very bad rep, but I will say this before mm -hmm. you 
go down that journey or that path of wanting to explore using any type of substance, whether it's cannabis, mm -hmm. uh, cocaine, heroin, whatever the case may be, understand this. Make sure you have a phenomenal sense of self. Mm -hmm. And when I say that, self-awareness, self-love, self-confidence, all those things are far more important than any substance you can put in your body. If you do not have self-love, you do not have self-confidence and self-awareness, do not self-medicate. Right. You, you can't, not. you can't. And, and that's the thing. People, you know, particularly where recreational drugs are concerned, um, I think that that's where people, because I ask my clients, you know, why, why do you do cocaine? Why do you do special K? Why do you do meth? You know, why do you do what you do? And I've yet, in all of these years, Ronnie, I have not encountered a single solitary client that says, oh, well, Dr. Pitts, it just relaxes me. No, people are using these substances, particularly, and I'm I'm re referencing cannabis, but I'm talking all substances. People are, these non-prescription drugs is what I'm referring to folks. People use these substances as a means of escape running. And that is so dangerous. And it opens the door uh, for so many other problems in your life. And I say, you need to get to the root of what it is that's driving your desire to escape. You need to get to the root of whatever it is that is causing you to want to self-medicate. And once you address that root, then your sense of self can be strengthened. Um, but you have to be careful, you know, whether it's Ronnie or myself, you all know you can reach me through my website, my website at drlaurendpitts.com. You can reach me through Psychology Today. You know, I'm on there. You can reach Ronnie. Have a discussion. Have a discussion to get at the root of self. What is it that is going on at the base of your emotional volcano that is causing you to choose these substances to escape and to self-medicate rather than face the emotional experiences. I, I've been this week, this past couple of weeks in particular, Ronnie, I've been doing a lot of normalizing emotions with my clients in that, you know, people act like heartbreak is the end of the world. People act like, you know, loss is the end of the world. Being like, I'm not discounting the fact that we go through these emotional experiences that cause a an exorbitant amount of pain. But at the end of the day, Ronnie, it's life. These things are going to happen. People are going to disappoint us. Our heart's going to be broken. Heartbreak isn't just about, you know, somebody cheating on you or breaking up with you or whatever. Heartbreak can come from losing a loved one to, to death. You know, it, it could be just, it could be um, disappointment. It could be betrayal. It could be any number of things that fuels emotional pain. And people act as if they're shocked and terrified of experiencing emotional pain. It just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't, I mean, clinically it makes sense to me, but conceptually in and on, it doesn't. Cause I'm like, when I think about my own life's journey and the amount of trauma that I've experienced, none of it's killed me. It hurt like heck, 
but none of it has killed me. And folks are just, I don't want to deal with those emotions right now, but that's just it, Ronnie. People say they don't want to deal with their emotions, but they are. Not dealing with your emotions and self-medicating and hiding behind the substance use and abuse is in actuality dealing with your emotions, is just dealing with them inappropriately. And it's dealing with them in a way that is going to cause you to have even more negative emotional experiences. That's all I have. Ronnie, let's do these games so that I can go get my nails done. I, I appreciate everything you just said. If I have one last thing to say about it before we get into these picks, I do not think substance use should be a criminal charge. Anything that you put in your body obviously is your body and your choice. However, if it is becoming a detriment to your overall well-being, I don't think you should be locked in jail for it. I think you really need somebody like me or Dr. Pitts to have mm -hmm. that conversation to mm -hmm. use, utilize those resources. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to try and get into these pics real quick without uh, somebody being a, um, you know, a hater. But, he said um, he wanted to help host the show. Word. He said, I don't pick your nose on, on screen. <laughs> you just smooth pick your nose on the air. Ew. And I don't even edit. So that's going to be in there. The whole world is going to see you pick your nose. Yeah. So you Dr. Pitts, believe it or not, last week you were eight and two. Yay. Phenom phenomenal job last week. Everybody give it up for Dr. Pitts. Yay. I was once again six and four. So Dr. Pitts has made some headway, made some gains. So <laughs> let's get into these picks real quick. So okay. first and foremost, already, Dr. Pitts, and if you say anything other than the answer you should say, we're going to have beef. Okay. BSU versus Bowie State. Who you got? I told you BSU. I'm not going to Why? Cause, I told you. Look, because then hey, I look, have to look, hey, you and Dr. Maiden. I don't want to have to choke y'all out. Ugh. Hey, look, I sent that I sent that text message to uh what's his name last Sunday, first thing in the morning. Let him know. Hey, look. He respond. He did. Did he? he did. <laughs> I send him the yeah. same message every year, the same mean mug emoji oh every single year. Like y'all look crazy. Just know. I'm going with BSU. Right. We got uh Shaw versus Johnson C. Smith. Um, I so unfortunately um, I didn't get a chance to compile the records, but I can say that Shaw has a better record than uh, Johnson C. Smith. I can say that. I think last week you had said that Johnson C. Smith wasn't doing. They weren't. Then I think they got one win. If I'm if memory serves. Yeah, I'm gonna correct. go with Shaw. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Shaw as well. Um, Shaw is having a pretty good season. All right, mm -hmm. next we got uh, Grambling versus Alabama A&M. Alabama A&M actually um, uh, snuck away with a win. Yes, uh, last week they pulled an um, upset. They're doing pretty good. Grambling is, uh, I think they've got two wins so far in the season, so they're doing pretty fair. Alabama. A&M, all right. Uh -huh. Oh, you going with A&M too, sir? I'm going <laughs> to go with the Graham fam. Mm -hmm. All right, next we got FAMU versus SE State. All right. You know I'm going with FAM. I keep telling you, it don't matter. You game, I'm going with FAMU. I'm going with FAMU as well. All right, this should be a really good one. We got... Uh, uh, Jackson State University versus Alabama State. Um, I, Jackson State is undefeated. I think Alabama State. Yeah, I mean, I always go with Jackson State, too. I don't care who they play. I'm going to always go with Coach Brown. There we go. Because right, he retired one. as a cowboy. <laughs> we got Bethune-Cookman versus Tennessee State. I must say Tennessee State is having a, um, a they're not season. doing because of George, they're not doing well. I'm going I, with it could, and it could be this is his first season, so you know, yeah, he might he might have adopted, you know, maybe not the best situation. So, you know, I'm we'll going see. with the Thun Cookman. 
Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna go with. Uh, you know what? Nah, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with. Uh, be, I'm gonna go with Tennessee State. I'm gonna give Coach George a chance. I'm gonna go with Tennessee okay. State. Um, next up, we got uh, Elizabeth City versus um, Virginia Union. Virginia Union is still undefeated. They're actually. Uh, I think I saw an HBCU poll. I don't know how accurate it is, but uh, Union was number three in the HBCU poll between Division oh, One wow. and Division Two HBCU. So I'm gonna, I'll go um, with Union. All right, I'm a, I'm gonna go with Union too. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping if we uh if we beat Bowie today and we run the table and Union run the table, I'm at that game because it's that state. Okay. I'm at that game. I'm there. Um, mm-hmm. all right, we got Fort Valley State versus Central State. Um, Fort Valley State only has one win, no, two wins. Uh, Central State has one win. I'm gonna go with Central. Okay, okay. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh Jerry Rice's alma mater. I'm gonna go with Fort Valley. I'm I'm gonna give mm-hmm. I'm gonna see what they got going on. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we got Miles versus Benedict. Benedict is also undefeated this season, too. They're also uh five and zero on the season. Miles, I believe. <coughs> Whoa, excuse me. Thank you. I believe Miles has one or two wins, but Benedict I'll is go with Benedict. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Benedict. I don't eat my eggs, Benedict, but we'll go with Benedict <laughs> College. Um, last but not least, we got Albany State at four and one versus Edward Waters at one and four. See, E Dub is my alma mater, but I, I, mm, I don't even heart. This is this is strictly business. Yeah, how bad do you want to wear that Eagles jersey? Go ahead, and pick, go ahead and pick with your heart. I'm going with Albany. I don't. I need to, I need to coordinate with uh, Eric. And see which Eagles jersey you want to fly. Whatever. Eagles fly. Yeah. Albany. Albany State. All right. Yeah. Sorry, Tigers. Sorry, E-Dub. E-Dub I'm going to go, go Albany right. State as well. All right. I need so to we bring some pictures so I can show you when I was at E-Dub. My cute pictures <laughs> with our Tiger. We'll, look, we, we'll, we'll edit this part out. We'll edit the last pick out. Talk about our connection went bad real quick. Sorry about that. What a fool. <laughs> hey, everybody. Look, y'all. Thank y'all go so ahead, much for joining it. us. Oh, amazing topic. We hope we hope you all learned a lot, and at least we hope we generated and started a conversation that you all can have with your loved ones, with your families, you know, student athletes, professional athletes, the whole nine yards. So, thank you once again for joining us. I'm gonna mute myself because somebody's being extremely rude. They got to be a Cowboys fan. So, it's all good in the neighborhood. Look, folks, have a happy Saturday. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the weather. It's a good day. Again, go VSU. Bye, everybody. I'm so glad I go to BSU singing glory, hallelujah. Woo! I'm so glad. Goodbye. <laughs> Crazy.